0: Today, I'm entitled known, known. Today, we're looking at identity. And I want to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 13, verse 35. John chapter 13, verse 35 says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, everybody say if, if you love one another, the entire law is fulfilled in one word love. In fact, when the wise men came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us what is the greatest commandment of them all. And Jesus' response was this number one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he said the second is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5:14, for the entire law fulfilled and keeping in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is so important because it encapsulates all of the entire law in one word, in one action that we do on a continual basis as Christians and we choose to love. So this topic of love isn't something that we are just navigating as a church or talking or discussing through. No, this is the premise and foundation of everything we do as Christ followers. When you say yes to Jesus, he fills you with the ability to love properly. Not love in the world's eyes as love, but love properly. So I want to look at today, how can we step into this new level of love to be known? And I want to even ask you this, you know, what are you known for? What are you known for? When someone thinks of you, what do they think of? What do they think of when they think of you walking in a room or coming to hang out with them or coming to a party? What would they, what would you say? I know you can't get in everybody's mind and be psychic and all that, but, you know, if that's so Raven, everybody remember that show? If you could, you know, see into someone's action, what what would you say someone would think of you? I remember growing up, my family was very musical and everywhere we went was, was a musical and everything, something in the room or something we'd be discussing would just strike a note and all of a sudden we'd all just start singing. And so we, we became known as the family that would show up and just be a musical. We were a walking musical. We walk in somewhere, we talk about pancakes, and then my grandma would remember some song from the 70s or 60s about pancakes. And then all of a sudden, we'd all be humming to it. Pancakes, 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 oh yeah, pancakes. And then all of a sudden, the entire room, now we're all clapping and singing. Y'all would be so embarrassed if you were around my family. Sometimes as a kid, I was like, oh my goodness. And then I got old enough and I was like, eh, no one cares, anyways. You know, we we traveled all around, so we were in a different places every week. We we're in a different place. So all these people won't even remember, you know? They'd be like, remember that crazy family that came through town? They were all that. But we were known for it. We were known for being the party. We'd walk in and the noise volume of the room would elevate. I mean, you think I'm loud. You should meet my family. My grandma is hilarious. She walks in and the first thing out of her mouth, what? How you here? You know, you just, you know, granny's there. Robin, she comes in with such volume. It's like, my my family was known for that. I want to ask you, what are you known for? Jesus said, my disciples would be known for this, that they love each other. Now, the love he was talking about was a different kind of love than maybe sometimes the world talks about. Because we talk a lot about falling in love. And today, I'm not talking about falling in love. I'm not talking about an emotional love. I'm talking about the supreme love. We as Christ followers, we got to be known by the way that we love. Now, there are four types of love in the Greek language. And I'm going to look at those today. We're going to be discussing in depth a little bit more all throughout these weeks. But today, I want to highlight one of them. But here are the types of love, and they're in your notes. Number one is eros, and that is romantic or sexual love. This is where you'd find it in a marriage or a couple dating when you see someone across the room and they catch your eyes, ah, love at first sight. How many have seen the Hallmark movies? You know how it works. Girl from the big city comes to the little town. She's got to write her novel in a day and she got to get inspired and then the farmer comes in he's been working on the fields he's got his plaid shirt on and they catch eyes now not at first because usually there's a discrepancy in the story at first and it's like he's so annoying and he comes in with this mud and all because something happens and it's like ew I would never love him and then by the end you're like they are going to fall madly in love now that's not the kind of love I'm talking about but eros is that Romantic or sexual love. The second kind of love is Storgy, and that is a family love. That's the the feeling that we feel when we're with our close loved ones, our extended family, when we're in the room, and you feel such a chemistry with them. You feel such a love towards them. That's Storgy. Then the third type of love is Philia, and that's friendship. That's where Philadelphia comes from, the, the, the city of brotherly love. So philia is when you feel affection towards your friend, or you got their back, or you hear someone talking smack and you're like, nah, that's not that's philia love. And the fourth and most supreme type of love is agape love. Agape love is God's sacrificial love. It is the highest form of love. It's the highest form that if you tap into it will affect. Every portion of your life, every portion of your relationships, every portion of your conversations, every portion of your actions that you put forward. Agape love is what controls and commands you to move and speak. Agape love is God's love. Now, I want to talk today because there are three loves on this list that actually add a burden to others. I want to talk today about how do we release the burden because if we're known for love and we walk around and we give everybody a love that gives them a burden, how many know that's not helping anybody? It doesn't help nobody. But sometimes I picture it like this. I was in the dollar store yesterday. We were picking up some Valentine's presents for our cousins. And I saw these and I was like, oh my word, isn't this how fake love is? Because fake love, and I say fake love, you know what I'm talking about. The, the feeling love is something that we hold to and we give to somebody when it feels right. And I can take this fake love, I can give it to somebody, and I feel in love with you. I mean, for the first time I saw you, You're so beautiful. And every year, you just get more and more beautiful. Now, this love, the only problem is it does nothing for the person you give it to because it's a weight. It's a burden. They got to hold on to it. And a lot of time, the conditions that come with this type of love are conditions that someone has to uphold because I can be romantically in love with you, but if I'm only romantically in love with you, then you better keep that romance alive or my love is fleeting with it. And if I give you love as a friend, say, hey, I got your back. I'm your friend and I give you love and you're holding that love. And now the condition is, well, I better be good to my friend. Well, I I better be, it creates this unattainable standard to uphold when you give this type of love. And this is the love that, if we stay at the euros and the storgy and the philia, we will stay at this creating burdens for those that we love. A lot of times this is how we come into marriage. And we'll come into a marriage and we'll come in with romantic love. And you stand at the altar and you hold hands and you look them dead in the eye and you say, I love you and I will never, ever go away from this promise that I'm making today. But sometimes the the problem with that commitment is it's being made on euros love. See, the problem with this is that now the burden is theirs, and if they drop that balloon, it's on them. Well, they weren't a good spouse. Well, they weren't a good friend. Well, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain because there's conditions to this love. God said, my people, my disciples will be known for this agape love. This agape love is a sacrificial love. It's the, the supreme love of all. And it's not a feeling. It's a choice of the will. When you step into agape love, it's a choice you make. It's saying, I will love you Forever, and I picture agape love looking like this. These are a little more high end, okay? These are gonna go flying. I know it. We're gonna have to shoot them down with a BB gun later. But this is what happens with agape love: is when we elevate our love, and now it's something that we give to someone creates a little help in the weight. When they drop it, we say, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) This isn't that type of love. This is agape love. I love you with Christ's love. I love you with a sacrificial love. You drop that, oh, that's okay. I love that will help your arm be raised up. I got forgiveness for that. I got grace for that. Because this is the type of love that God gave us first. When he went to the cross, the Bible says that he died even though knowing we were still sinners. Even when we were still caught up and running away from him, he still loved us. And the Bible says we are to be imitators of God. Should have just left this on the tape. Give me one moment. Let me just tie my love to this tape. You see what happens is when we, we give out this type of love, we actually show people what true love is. Because true love, and this is what you find in a, in a healthy church community, this is what you find in a small group that's out for each other's best interest. This is when you find a relationship that it doesn't make sense every time they keep forgiving you giving you grace, loving you even though. This is the, the, the healthy community that when you come in with your baggage, everyone is there to help support the baggage. They're not like, oh, that's, that's a lot of process. That's a lot to handle. No, everybody's coming in and saying, all right, how can we best support? See, an agape love looks different in every relationship, but if you don't have the agape love, then you're gonna be struggling all of your relationships saying, here you go, hold this. Here you go, hold this. Here you go, hold this and don't drop it. But if you step into a love, now all of a sudden you elevate those that you are in relationship with. Now you date for a purpose and a reason. Now you are in marriage to support and give selflessly. Now you, you raise kids and you pour into them with the relationship saying, I am here to support and build and grow. When you're in a friendship, Agape love changes the way you do friendship because it's a way that you love deeper than the world can offer. I remember going um, to youth camp as a, as a kid, and I remember this one time in particular. Speaker was talking, and he was talking about God's love for our friends. And, and it was a night that I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you're like, you've heard a million messages. And then all of a sudden this one message just like hits you right smack in the heart. And it was that night I was, I was a teenager and I was just listening and I was caught up. He was talking about God's love encountering you. God's love transforming the way you view people. And I was like, I love God, but I want that. I want to encounter him. And I remember that night he gave an altar call and he said, all those who want to encounter God's love come to the altar. So as a young person, I just, I walked up to the altar and I just prayed and I remember someone came around and they were laying hands on people and one of the gentlemen laid their hands on me and I, it was, I can't explain any other way. And it was like some, someone coming and wrapping their arms around me and giving me a, a huge hug. And I just felt warm all over and I felt the embrace of the Father. And It was the first time I think I can go back and remember the time I really felt God's presence and not just like, I got tingles and, you know, sometimes you just feel like, oh, that was an inspiring moment. And, and God is in those things. But it was like a tangible, like, man, I felt his presence all around me. And in that moment, I felt his love encounter me. <laughs> I can't explain it any other way than the hug. And then it was like a saturation. It was just like flowing down. And I can tell you this. When you encounter God's love in that depth, and some of you have, you've encountered God in that way. You've encountered Him and His presence has rocked you and it's transformed the way you see. Because let me tell you, you can't, uh, you can't produce. I wrote this down because I, you can't produce what you have not yet received yourself. You can't give agape love if you've not received agape love. And I want to encourage someone in this room that if you've Come into Christianity and you're trying to make it up to God and you're trying to do things to make him happy, or you're trying to do your Christianity to say, Lord, I'm just not good enough, but I'm going to do more. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do more for you, God, to make him happy. No, you got it wrong because you have to understand that he is not a God of Euros love. He's not a God of Sergi love. He's not a God of Philia love. He's a God of agape love. He's a God with love that never runs out. He's a God that has love is unconditional. There is no boundaries on you. There's no boundaries on his love for you. We sing about today. He kicks down the lies. He kicks down the walls, tears down the lies, lights up the darkness because he loves us so much. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. God loves you with an agape love. And that when when you experience God's love like that, it radically impacts how you love others because now you see people for who they are and who the Father sees them to be. Now all of a sudden, people aren't an obstacle. Now they're an opportunity for God to show His love. Now they're not something that's in your way. Now they're something that God put in your path. You look at people differently when you see them with the agape love. And, and John, First John four sixteen says, "And we know and rely on love God has for us because God is." love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Can I tell you this? When we become like him, his love becomes our love. When we become like him, his love becomes the way that we love. And my prayer for us as a community, you and your family, you and your relationships, you and the way that you raise your kids, you and the way that you show up at your work, is that God encounters us here so that we take his agape love there. Come on, somebody. I want him to radically encounter me here. Come on, I want to wake up in the morning, get out of bed and get before him and say, Lord, encounter me with your agape love. Come on, I want to be accepted by you. I want to be transformed by you. I want to be embraced by you. So that everywhere I go, I don't give this love to hold this. No, I give this love that elevates those that are around me. I give a love that says, you don't have to give it back. I love you even though. We're at a youth camp with our, our, our youth group when we were youth pastors in, in Kenneth Square. At this one retreat in particular, we we did this. It was a wild show up to the retreat because we showed up and it was raining, like a lot. And they had, uh, the team had all set up this really cool like tent area just in case it rained. So we had like this covering with all the plastic and all and we were in there. And this is how the retreat started. So we were all in there for the first service, preaching. And all of a sudden, the the tent canopy started coming down with the weight of the water on top. And everybody noticed besides the girl that was underneath the canopy that was coming down on her. She's just, you know, she's into it. She's into the worship, whatever. And everybody's noticing this thing come down and all of a sudden it just releases. And all the rain comes in. I mean, it was, it was that kind of, it was Cape Henle if you've ever been there, but it was amazing. And we were in the wilderness and all the stuff. I remember the last day we were praying for, and we talked all that week about, you know, uh, going deeper in our faith with God and loving him and loving our friends. I remember that night. It wasn't anything special about the message, but we, we had an altar call for those in the youth group to come and get radically encountered by God. And do you remember this? Students came up. It's like they always do, just come to the altar, kind of raise their hands and all. I tell you for an hour and a half, Those kids, stop. I still get emotional thinking about it. Because you could see the radical encounter on their life. You could see they went from knowing about God to encountering his presence. That's what I'm praying for us this year. Maybe you've already been there, but I want to pray that God encounters you in a way that you are transformed. I couldn't shut these kids up. (laughs) They wanted to take everything to their schools they came back with fire in their bones. I was like, yo, just talk into this microphone because, you know, we're always trying to fundraise. with youth group, I'm like, yo, show them what I'm working with so I can tell them, I need more money. My kids need to go. They need to go into these schools. They need to radically encounter their friends because God has transformed something. Remember that? We just had voiceovers. They were like sobbing over their friends. Like, my friends are going to hell if I don't do something. And God had transformed the way they view their world. That's what happens when God encounters us. So i want to look at the agape love. I want to define it so that we can step into it. But I'm going to pray today that at the end of this, this time, we're going to have an altar time. We're just going to open up this place. And I'm praying that just like that canopy, that God's presence comes over you and saturates you today. And I felt it even in worship. I was like, all right, God, you're here and you're here with an agenda and you want to move on our lives so that we can move in your world. Come on, you you want to move in our hearts so that we can spread agape love. So here are three things that I want to show us today about agape love. Number one, agape love is not self-love, but rather self-sacrificing love. First John 3.16 says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them, in that person? And verse 18 says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Agape love is a self-sacrificing Love is saying, how can I help? How can I support? How can I give? How can I love you? When I see your bucket empty, how can I fill you? Number two, agape love is an unending, not a temporary feeling or emotion or attraction, but it is unending Agape love, when when God's love gets in you, it's a love that never runs out. It's a love that continues to go every day. That's why when we read about the the Lord, he says his mercies are new every morning. Why? Because he has agape love. He doesn't have a love where he's like, oh, you messed up. Now I'm mad at you. Oh, you, you did this? Well, then no longer are you my child. No, God's love is an agape love. And if we learn to be like him, if we learn to step into this love, now in our relationships, now in our, our, our marriage, as we're building a marriage, as, as we're pouring into our kids, as we chalk to our workplaces and we love our fellow employees or we love our employers or we love those that are, are working under us, that, that is what God wants us to, to give them is this unending love. Say it will never run out. I'll give and give and give and give and never will it run out. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, God died for us. I love this quote. It says, God's love is like an ocean. You can see its beginning, but not its end. The third thing is agape love is generous, not selfish and greedy. Agape love is generous. Like the way that the Bible describes God is God loved the world so much that he gave. Love is directly tied to our actions. It's directly tied to what we produce. So when we love with an agape love, it transforms the way we produce in our workplace. It'll transform the way you produce in your family. It'll, it'll transform the way that you show up to build relationships and to love one another. Agape love. And 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should, call, we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. I love this because the father always pours out love on us. But how do we step into this agape love? like, Pastor, it's great, great to hear that agape love is the way we should do it and sacrificial love, but how many know relationships are messy? Dating's all fun and games until it gets real. Marriage seems like a walk in the park until you gotta work together and live together and do life together and wake up every day together. And you realize marriage is work. Marriage has benefits, and we're going to talk about that. Marriage is amazing when you build it to last. We were just talked about this the other day. This is probably one of our best years of marriage. We're coming up with it on sixteen years. Let's go! Yeah, you could clap for that. Sixteen years. I mean, I'm not—I'm no Rinal, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Sixteen years. This is one of our best years. But when you build something to last. It's something you walk into new relationships with a new mindset. And it's like, wow, how can I build this thing for the glory of the Lord? But in that agape love, it's our spirit leading our flesh to love. You got to understand this because your flesh is going to say, no, bro, walk away. Girl, you do not deserve that. Now, I'm not saying that you should be a part of abuse relationship, abusive relationships. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you should go back to your perpetrator and, and forgive them, be best friends. I'm not saying that at all. Nowhere do you find that in the word of God. But I am saying this. If you are committed, if you, are, you made a decision to say, this is what I'm building, this is what I'm doing, then you got to pour health into that relationship. You got to use your spirit to say, flesh, let's go. How many of your flesh doesn't always want to worship God? Your flesh doesn't always want to wake up in the morning and be with him, right? Am I the only unspiritual person in the room? Come on, there's, there's mornings I wake up, I'm like, no. Last night was a late night. God, you understand, right? There's a lot of mornings that I don't want to. A lot of Sundays I'll show up and like, all right, got to tell myself. Why? Because we're human. That's our flesh. We're born into a sinful nature. Our sinful nature wants to pull us towards sin and death and all this stuff. But we have to direct it with our spirit. That's why we started the, the year with a fast. Come on, somebody. We fasted to say, flesh, shut up. And spirit, turn up. <laughs> How many turned up their spirit with that fast? Come on. We got to turn up the volume and say, Lord, we want more of you. We want the torrential downpour in our life. So we got to say no to fleshly things and say yes to the spirit. Same thing with agape love. We got to say, no, I will not bend to those things that I used to do. I will not bend to that mindset that everybody owes me something. I will not bend to that thing where in my relationship, I need to get, get, get. And this is my place where you got to pour into me, darling. Come on. I I married you. Now you got to pour into me. No, we could. We turn it around. We say, no, agape love is what we're known for. This is where we walk into a place where we are giving and pouring into and things are growing around us because we're walking like this. Here you go, here you go. All right, here's elevation for you. elevation for you, elevation for you, elevation for you, elevation for you. And now all of a sudden, our whole community around us is like hands raised. Like, whoa, this is awesome. Come on, let's do it. Let's do life. How can I pour into you? And all of a sudden now we start to be, they start to be beneficiaries of agape love because of what's inside of us. I was reading this story. Actually, I heard about it a long time ago and I was telling may about it when we were getting these balloons. I was like, I need to look that up and make sure that's true. Because you know, you hear stuff in sermons, you're like, I don't know if that's a true story. That seems far-fetched. <laughs> I looked it up. Larry Walter You got to look up the story. It's crazy. He was the first person to fly in a lawn chair. 1982, he had a dream. He wanted to fly. And so he told his girlfriend, we're going to get some weather balloons and we're going to tie it to my lawn chair and I'm going to fly. So he did it. He hooked up. A CB walkie-talkie. He got his little pellet gun, because you know you got to come down. He hooked up all the weather balloons to his lawn chair, and he launched. Not only did he launch, his goal was to reach 10,000 feet, which he did. And he kept climbing 16,000 feet elevation. (laughs) I'm laughing because the planes, now he was in direct path of the flight path. And now on the radar, they're seeing this flying object that's in the way of American Airlines. So now they're reporting, reporting, trying to find out what this thing is. And here's Larry Walter, or Wallace, sorry, Walter, on his lawn chair, talking to his girlfriend. (laughs) And the whole thing, you have to read the whole story because it's unbelievable. My point with this is sometimes we settle to be on the ground with our love when God's love wants to elevate us higher than we've ever been before and do things that we would never dream about doing on our own. But let me tell you, when Christ's love transforms your heart, it elevates you to a height that is unimaginable and your forgiveness level and your grace level can be beyond what you've ever felt before. Because when you start living and loving God's way, it transforms everything. What I wanna do today, I wanna open this altar for those that want to encounter God. See, I believe this. I believe that God has this unending supply Of love. I believe that he's up in heaven and he's waiting to pour it out. He's waiting to pour it out on his children or anybody that will come to him and ask. And I believe that as we're coming into this year of torrent in our lives and our businesses and what we're praying over, and a lot of you are praying over things in your family, you're praying for miracles to happen, you're praying for life to be restored. You're praying for um, relationships to be mended. You're praying for a lot of things. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm believing that God today is going to radically encounter us so that when we move, when we move into our worlds, when we pray over our families, I pray for healing. When we work through things with our significant other, or we're pouring into those that God has placed in our path. That God's agape love comes and he restores and heals and brings life to the wilderness. See, God's agenda is to bring streams in the desert. Not to keep us in the desert, but God's agenda is always to bring life to what was dead. So I want to pray over us today because I believe that there's a revival, you guys. There's a revival breaking out in this city. And I believe that God wants to start it in our hearts and start it in our homes. In fact, when he gave us the vision of what Jesus was doing in the city, he was literally, he wasn't even going to the churches and setting them on fire. In our vision, he was setting the houses on fire. And I believe this with all my heart that God's going to set you ablaze. He's going to set you ablaze. He's going to set you on fire to see your world different, to see your significant other different, to see your kids different, to see your workplace different, not as a place where you got to go, not as a place where you have to give, not as a place where, oh, it's just somewhere I, I must show up. No, it's a place where you say, I can't wait to get there to give gape love. I can't wait to get there and show Christ. And he breaks us for what he wants to accomplish there. So I want to give an invitation to you today. I want to open up this altar. That Sean comes and we're going to worship. We're going to praise him. We're going to get in his presence. And I'm, I'm believing for this that God comes and he encounters you. And as you open yourself up to him, he's going to show you things that you have never seen before. He's going to open up your heart to love in ways you've never loved before. You say, love's a struggle. I'm believing God heals that in you today. You say, oh, it's hard, pastor, to forgive. I understand. I've been broken. I know what it means. I know what it means to be hurt. But I also know that our God is a healer. And when he shows up on the scene, he doesn't leave things dry. And he doesn't leave things dead. He pours life into that space.